Hello everybody and welcome back to another ITH podcast. Now today we are sitting in a shed, which is not... We are sat in a shed, yes. Very nice. Uh, but we're here to talk to Eric Fairburn, who is the CEO of Podpoint. Now, uh, before we, we're not going to go into the what is Podpoint and all that does yet, because to start with, it hasn't always been about electric vehicles for you, has it? So t- tell us about how you started with it in this in this biz. Yeah, guess so. So I guess I am a reformed petrol head in that respect. So my uh, my first business was a company called Acuri Twenty Five, um, which some of the uh, older petrol heads may remember. But you joined for around ten thousand pounds a year, and you got access to uh, twenty or thirty supercars. So we had uh, four thirty Spiders and Gallardo Spiders and uh, a whole range of Aston Martins, all this sort of thing. So it was, a, I guess, a Very private members club for um, car enthusiasts, uh, and I run that from or founded that in two thousand and five and ran it until 2008 um, and I guess punched a large hole in the ozone layer through uh, owning a larger number of supercars um, but it was a fairly successful business and I sold it in 2008 um, and when I sold it I said well actually my next business what I really want to do is actually do something which contributes towards something important on a global level um, and through a more complex story we can go into in a minute I felt that if we could enable the mass adoption of electric vehicles that would be a pretty cool way to uh, for my next business to both be a good business but also contribute to uh, you know against global warming and air quality. When you were thinking about doing that were electric vehicles kind of a thing back then were they only just about being you know put on the road what was the what what level are we at i think very very much pre pre a thing i think really so um if i take you back to the end of 2008 2009 i don't know if any of your uh, um, listeners and viewers will remember a thing called the g whiz which you do very occasionally (laughs) see driving around london and i what a car that was yeah quite quite some mobile coffin (laughs) absolutely but also i I call it a yogurt pot on wheels but the um (laughs) But a slightly more polite way of saying it, isn't it? For sure. It? <laughs> but I think since we're, um, I assume we're amongst car geeks here, it's the only car you can come across on the streets of London where the body is never quite centrally mounted on the two rear wheels. So next time you're behind a G-Wiz, if you look, you'll notice that the wheels are about an inch to the right versus the body. Really? I've never seen that on any other car. A unique feature. <laughs> so wow. Okay. Um, so so st- staying on point, no, so very electric vehicles were nowhere, really. So um, I think Tesla had something like 50 of the original Roadster. Um, so there's no Model S, there's no Nissan Leaf, there's no Zoe, there was none of the um, e-trons and things that we're seeing now. So yeah, it was pretty early on, really. Um, but I felt that um, the internal combustion engine, although it's you know had 100 years of uh, uh, rain, really it was coming towards the end of itself as a technology. Really, internal combustion engines are only improving a little bit each year um, and really that to me suggested it was a technology at the end of its life cycle um, and really the next thing that had to happen in terms of emissions uh, in automotive was we had to move to a new technology and electric to me seemed like the obvious solution but uh, yeah we were certainly uh, a bit more outspoken than it is today to talk about electric vehicles you know 10 years on the world has moved yeah I mean so was it was it a pretty nervous time I seem to remember it was <laughs> yeah, right at the beginning <laughs> Yeah, for sure. So, um, uh, yeah, very much so. I think, you know, when I said I'm going to build a massive network of charging points to enable electric cars, obviously the first thing everyone said was, Eric, you do realise there's no electric cars. I was like, (laughs) yeah, I'm hoping there will be. Uh, Yeah, but I guess um, one of the things I think is um, is, is sort of referred to as the innovator's dilemma, isn't it? So if you you are come up with innovative ideas, sort of by definition, you're early, because otherwise it wouldn't have been innovative if everyone else would have invented it. So there is a bit of a nature of the beast thing. If you want to do sort of um, new technologies and new things, you tend to have to invent them before the rest of the planet's cottoned on. Um, And then really, uh, it takes a little bit of foresight and a little bit of luck that that technology does indeed become 
a big thing, which it looks like electric is just starting to become a big thing now. So ten, ten years after we started, electrification is on everyone's lips. <laughs> and did you get did you get any help when you started the business? Uh, did you go to the government and say, look, we need to t- tackle the issue of all these petrol cars on the road, or or what was the kind of, or did you just go it alone and think, I I know this is going to be right. Um, yeah, I said it's probably a little bit the second one, really. So just kind of cracked on and uh, got on with it to a certain extent. So you know, after that, various bits of government policy started happening. So we do have a, a government which is fairly supportive of electric vehicles in the UK. Um, and then obviously later, all of the car companies, slowly but surely, I guess, you know, mainly following perhaps Tesla and Nissan as the two sort of leading lights in it, started bringing cars to market. Um, but it, yeah, certainly there wasn't a lot of that at the start. It was just something that I was passionate about. I thought it was the way that we were all going to drive around in the future and I wanted to be a part of making it happen. But um, yeah, arguably it wasn't a very logical thought process at that time because you know, there was no electric vehicle. So it was a bit of a punt, but it was something that I really believed in. So I went for it. Seems to have worked out all right as well. Well, it's getting that way. It's getting that way. Yeah, not ready to retire just yet. Yeah, There should be a slight thing here that... People should know, we've known each other for a good 35 years, which ages me a little bit, I think. So well, yeah, for, uh, all the, for all the people, actually, that comment about Tim's bald head, he did used to have hair at one time. Yes, I, I did. did have hair. I can confirm We that. can flash yeah. up a very, 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 very quick photo. One frame, boom, it's <laughs> yeah, gone. Boom, there it's we go, gone. never to be seen again. Yes. Um, so, right, because this is, this is a podcast about cars generally mm. well, is it really? well I'm, I'm a self-confessed petrol head I've, yes, I've, I've driven um, plenty of Teslas I own a Volkswagen Golf GTE which is kind of getting to the electric stage yeah. um, but I am still very much the kind of it needs to have a proper combustion engine to really you know feel and drive well and to entertain you mm. what are your thoughts on on that because obviously you know with the Curry that you started that was very much about being a petrol head, yeah. Um, whereas what you do now is is quite the opposite, really, in terms of the vehicles that you're providing power to. So How I, do you feel? I think my, my view there is I don't see why electric should stop people enjoying cars. So um, I do accept that electric cars are going to be slightly different to internal combustion. But I think you're beginning to see it now. So, I mean, we all know that the you know, the, the Model S 100D, uh, P100D is the current world record holder for the 0-60 time, etc. Um, and also, you've only got to look at LaFerrari 918, um, um, cars of that era, the McLaren P1, of course. And essentially what they're saying is that in order to get to the very highest end of the performance envelope, they have to have some form of electrification in there. Um, and you look at the stats of the uh, you know the next generation Tesla Roadster, and um, it's talking about 0 to 60 in 1.9 seconds. Um, you, I think we're beginning to move into an era where we're not far off at the very highest end, where actually the internal combustion engine just cannot keep up with the performance envelope of the electric. So although I'm, I'm open to the fact that the noise an electric motor makes is different to an internal combustion engine, I don't think you know one of the things that uh, you know car enthusiasts why do you love a GT3 RS? Well, one of your answers is going to be throttle response, right? And mm-hmm. an electric motor is just just got a throttle response at a level that an internal combustion engine yeah. can't even dream of. So I think, you know, as, as car enthusiasts, and, you know, I'm, I enjoy driving and I enjoy cars the same, you can hear, you know, as you know from my history, I don't think that move to electrification is negative towards loving and enjoying cars. I do understand that, you know, a Nissan Leaf perhaps doesn't hit the same highs as the 911 <laughs> GT3 we are just talking about. But I think as what you'll begin to see now is you'll begin to see a trickle down from the likes of 918, and you'll see that electrification actually allows us to have cars which have a a much higher performance envelope um, than anything that internal combustion engines ever done um, but it's going to take a little bit of time to fill all the different niches but um, you know all the, all the supercar makers have well, got I'm, electrification in their plans I'm, I'm pretty happy with my GTE to mm. be fair it's kind mm. of it's still a fast golf I mean it's 200 horsepower out of a 
1.4 little 1.4 engine and an electric motor um, and it will just cruise around and I can get you know it's a lower tax bracket well zero tax I don't have to pay any congestion charge and it's still quite a fun car so I can kind of see what you mean um, I still want to put an order in though for a Porsche GT4 the new one so I, I think <laughs> that's going to be completely normally aspirated fingers yeah. crossed but I, I, can, I can see where it's going um, and of course you guys are just going for strength to strength with your business then, um, you provide, is it charges for these electric cars to be able to be plugged into? Sure. So yeah, absolutely. And, and one of the things you find with electric cars, which is a little bit different to internal combustion engine cars, is you're very used to going to a petrol station. That's something you've been doing for, for many, many years. Um, and it, it feels very familiar. But if you kind of break it down, it's quite an odd thing to do because what you do is you get in your car wanting to go somewhere uh, and then you have to interrupt your journey, stop pour hydrocarbons into your car, it takes 90 seconds, you stand in the cold while that happens, you walk into a little booth, you pay 100 quid for the privilege, and then you carry on with what you originally wanted to do, which was your journey. But if we get the electric vehicle experience right and we build enough chargers, your car is always charging when you're not using it. So if you think about it, I wake up every single morning, my car is full of electricity. Um, I drive to work, I plug it in. When I get to lunchtime or when I need to go to my next meeting, my car's full of electricity. I, I go and do my shopping, I plug in at the supermarket, it's full of electricity, nip to the gym, again, plug it in, full of electricity. So what you actually find is, although people initially sort of start thinking, actually, you know, charging electric cars is quite a different and weird experience, they really quickly flip over. And they say, actually, no, it's a brilliant experience. And I never, ever think about putting energy into my electric car because magically, whenever I get back to it, the energy fairies have been and filled it up with energy for me. <laughs> and if you think about, you know, to, to put it into the um, internal combustion engine world, if you had a petrol station on the side of your house and you know, every morning you could top it off, that would be a pretty great experience. That's actually what electrification brings you. So we've got to build a bit more charging infrastructure until my vision is fully complete and that's true everywhere. Um, but we are getting there. I mean, you know, we've done... 50 or 60,000 charging points as, as a pod point across the UK. Lots of those in private residences, of course. But, you know, we're really beginning to get there. Um, but, you know, we'll be building this out for another 10 years or so. But, um, yeah, I really think that everyone will get massively used to this. And, you know, you know people will be looking back and saying, you know, what, what's a petrol station? What was that for? Yeah, um, well, I've, I've, had we the, um, I've had the experience of kind of being in the Tesla and driving that around and, you know, um, charging at different points across the UK to create your journey. And I think a lot of people go, oh, it can only do 300 miles. But it's amazing how far you can actually get. Yeah, I mean, three, 300, 300 miles is, is a long way. It's I a mean, long that's, way. That's London to Manchester. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you can go from London to Manchester. On one charge. And on, then on, when you get there, if, just charge yeah. it again. Exactly. And I think the thing to remember here is as well, that I, I always think, you know, we're all humans, so we all have like a bladder range, don't we? So how long can yeah. you drive your car before you have to stop to grab a coffee and nip to the toilet? It's probably four or five hours, isn't it? And at you know, normal UK speeds, that is your 200, your 250 mile range that your Teslas are doing today. So my, my view is, is as, as all of the cars get to 200, 250 mile range, that's materially enough for the vast majority of us. Um, and what you find then is that you do take a break after five hours of driving. And if you actually time yourself when you do it, from when you pull into the motorway service, is, you know, nip to the toilet, grab yourself a coffee, back to your car, 20 or 30 minutes, you're actually there. If you're just plugged into a rapid charger while you're doing that, it doesn't actually interrupt your journey at all. And that's really the thing to think about with EV. Your, your charging is never something you do to interrupt what you're doing. It's always something that happens whilst you're busy doing something else. So you really don't notice it anywhere near as much as you initially think you might. Yeah, and I can, I can the way I sort of envisage it in the future is you've got... What, what currently are service stations? I mean, when we're talking, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 years in the future, where it, basically most cars on the road are electric, you've got 
you're going to have what was petrol service stations. Won't, obviously won't be a thing. There'll be very few and far between. You probably have to order it on the internet or something. Or by mind control. I don't know. I'm getting lost here. But the... Um, you're going to have these units of these outlet places where you're going to go and there'll be, there'll be 100 spaces to, to plug cars into. Um, it will change the retail experience because then you've got a place that people are going to go to and they're going to plug in and charge for... It, by that time, what, 15, 20 minutes? We'll probably get you an, an entire full charge and 500 miles of range by that point. Yeah, you know, a, the only, the only thing I would say, and, you know, different to that vision really is, I'm not sure that they're unique places. I think they're places you go anyway. So where course, are you going yeah, to yeah. charge mostly? Places you go in anyway. Because as I said, you really want to think about energy flows into my car whilst I'm busy. You know, mm. at home, at work, at the supermarket, at the gym, at Alton Towers when you go there. Wherever it is you go in your daily business, that's the majority of where you're going to charge. The only time you'll go to somewhere specifically to charge, I think, is when you're you know, driving yeah, up to Glasgow. Motorway services. Motorway services. Yeah, that's what and, I'm talking yeah. And they will look differently. So where at the moment, if you think about it, most motorway services are sort of a retail bit with a car park, and then the petrol filling station is an additional bit tagged on on the end. In the future, that car park next to the retail bit will have all the charges in it. You see some of them from um, uh, us and other people in uh, uh, motorway services today, mm. and you will just plug in as you nip into that thing. So that sort of additional bit on the end, the, the, the petrol filling station, I think probably won't be there in uh, 10 or 15 years, yeah. um, but you will still gain your energy in a slightly different way from motorway services. Yeah. So I'm guessing there's, with Pod with Podpoint, there is two sides of your business. We've got people literally wrapping up boxes just outside of the, the shed we're in. So is it kind of the, the um, customer in terms of you can buy a Podpoint point sure. to be able to put in your house? And then you also provide a service out on the public roads uh, in car parks, service stations, as you say, for people to then plug their vehicles into. Yeah. So, so we, we roughly split it into home, work, and destination charging. Right. Um, so yeah, if you're a home customer, if you buy an electric vehicle from most of the main manufacturers, they will recommend that you, you get a pod point for your home, uh, and then we'll turn up at your house and install one. So um, once you've got that, obviously that's your home charging done. Uh, similarly, if you're a business, then we can put charging points in your car park for your visitors or for your staff, or if you've got a large fleet, uh, then we can obviously put the charging in for that. Uh, and then also we run our big public network, which is pod point network, which you can use publicly. So whether you're going to the supermarket or any of the other destination locations we've talked about you can plug in and use a charge pump while you're doing there so we, we have a relationship with both the electric vehicle driver who uses that but we also have to have a relationship with the companies that we put these things in at so as you say supermarkets so how does um how does it work because i've only ever used it with a tesla where i've plugged it into a supercharger where you literally just turn up here it is boom plug it in and you leave it sure how does the pod point work so if i had my gte for instance mm. and i had a pod point outside of my flat where i live uh, how would I go about charging it? Is it? Do you need a membership card or? So all from your phone. So the way it works is you plug in, your car starts charging immediately, uh, and then you've got 15 minutes to get the Podpoint app out and claim your charge cycle. Right. So what that means is you can plug in, go into your house out in the rain, the cold, whatever inclement weather the UK has uh, gifted <laughs> upon us, um, and then claim your charge cycle. But that's essentially how it works. And about 80% of all of the public charging is free, so you don't pay anything for the electricity. Um, and then about 20% of it has a tariff on it. So our app tells you whether it's a free one or one you have to pay for um, but we actually think lots of public charging will be free for the long term because if you think if you're something like a, um, a retailer actually you're giving that as a certain you, you don't pay to park at your local uh, retailer probably uh, and in this because they want you to come along yeah, yeah. I think you know for a small okay. amount of energy for the hour that you're there they'll probably continue to give you that free so we think actually you can charge your vehicle for free around the UK today uh, and we think that will be true for a long time and then so how does it work in a business for you guys then if you're giving away basically free power 
Yep. How are you then turning that into a business? Sure. So uh, what, it's not us that's normally funding the power. It does vary case to case. But normally, if you're going into a supermarket, the supermarket is funding that power. Right. But their, their analysis is, look, when you come into a supermarket, you spend 200 quid on shopping, we will give you 50p's worth of electricity as a Got it. as a service in the same way they give you free parking, free Wi-Fi, a couple of other things. Right. So it's part of the offering of that location. Um. Um, and that's essentially how the business model works. Oh, okay. And then just in terms of how much does it cost to fill up your car? So mm. I'm guessing, obviously, different cars. Cost different amounts. Is that price coming down? Because obviously, I keep reading in the paper and stuff about electric actually being a lot cheaper, like per mile, to run yep. a car than petrol or diesel. Um, how much are we talking to fill up a car these days? So, so the rough maths is it's about a fifth the cost per mile on electricity if you're not particularly clever with how you use your electricity. Oh, right, okay. Um, if you're smart with how you use electricity and you charge your car overnight on a night tariff and all this sort of thing, it's, it can be up to 10 times less cost per mile. So if you think about your internal combustion engine, 20p a mile, your electric vehicle can be 2, 3, 4p a mile. So it's wow. quite a material difference. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in fact, we did some sums um, just the other day that we, you know, for someone like yourself. So where you've got a GTE, if you charge your GTE every morning and you're, you do normal driving, which is we all do about 25 miles a day on average, actually over the period of a year, that, that electrical element saves you about £900 every year versus wow. you know using your petrol for the first 25 miles of your journey. So, yeah, so it's actually worth up. having. Yeah. Um, and it's of course because you know, electricity is relatively... I actually think long, long term, so not short term, but if, if the, um, we continue to make more electricity from solar and wind, actually the incremental cost of that is naught. You know, the sun turns up and shines every day and the wind blows whenever the wind blows. So actually I think eventually electricity actually gets it's cheaper still so that might not be in the next two or three years but you know if you take a decade view on it my view is electricity should get cheaper as a higher and higher percentage comes from renewable sources which effectively have no incremental cost mm. so this is what this is getting towards this this magical 2040 number yeah which um i mean i've heard you talk about it before on, on different shows this is so when this is what in the year 2040 they're going to ban a load of they're going to well the, the government say they're going to stop sell you won't be able to sell a pure internal combustion engine car is that right yeah there'll still be hybrids think like the golf is, right. that, is that right i don't know i don't think there will and we'll talk about that oh. in a minute so oh, okay so I'm, and, and I'm, oh yeah this yes this no. off we go <laughs> so, so i'm way more bullish than this so the government says 2040 we're going to ban internal combustion engines and they're a bit woolly about whether they mean hybrids as well hmm. so first of all there will be no hybrids in 2040 and second year all we can get there by 2030 so the, the reason I can say this is that the, the reason... So you've got to think about why don't you have an electric vehicle today? And the two reasons you'll probably come back to me is they don't go far enough and they're a bit too expensive. Um, and I guess with, with your readership base, you know, there'll be the question of, you know, is it the high performance? But hopefully what we talked about earlier convinces you that actually EV will be higher performance than, than uh, internal combustion engine fairly shortly. Um, so what you've then got is you've got this point where... Um, uh, because it doesn't go far enough and it's relatively expensive, people assume that's what the technology is going to be like into the future, but it totally isn't. Batteries are getting cheaper by about 19% every year. This is an immensely rapid change. Um, and what that means is by the time we get to early 2020s, the electric version of any car you pick will be about the same price to buy as the internal combustion engine vehicle. And it's going to be a fifth or a tenth price to run, as we talked about. But what's amazing is it doesn't look like the battery cost is going to stop coming down. And actually, the cost of internal combustion engines is going up as we need more exhaust after treatment, all this sort of thing. So I think as you get to 2025, you'll walk into a dealership as a normal car buyer, uh, and you'll be presented with two, two choices. You know, pick your brand, you know, Ford Focus. There'll be an internal combustion engine Ford Focus. And for £2,000 cheaper, there'll be an electric Ford Focus that does everything the same, two or 300 mile range, and it costs 2p a mile to run instead of 20p a mile to run. What are you going to buy? 
Exactly. Yeah. And don't say nine eleven twenty four. But you know, if you're a normal buyer, yeah, yeah. You're, you're not going to buy the old one anymore. What yeah. we're heading towards is um, blockbuster versus Spotify. Um, sorry, blockbuster versus Netflix. Yep. Those two technologies don't coexist. One gets better and cheaper, and then the other one dies. Same. How, when's the last time you downloaded an MP3 file to your phone? Yeah, same thing really Spotify came along, streaming came along cheaper mm. and better, the old technology dies yeah. so what the automotive world has been used to I think is they've been used to actually you know, petrol and diesel coexist uh, and they're two sort of fuel types that we use you know, fairly interchangeably because one of them isn't materially better and cheaper than the other one as you move to electrics, the car's cheaper and it's cheaper to run. Suddenly, there is no internal combustion engine. So I think what you'll see about 2025 is it doesn't slowly pick up and you get a, you know, one year it's 4% of cars are electric, the next year it's 5%. You suddenly get this disruptive change and all of a sudden it just makes economic sense to buy the, the electric vehicle. Um, so my view is you get this immensely rapid technology adoption curve, an S-curve of adoption, and it means that all of us will be buying fully electric vehicles by 2030, and hybrids will be long gone by then. The only reason you have a hybrid today is the battery, the cost of the 200-mile range electric vehicle is a bit too high, and it's cheaper to have a small battery and an internal combustion engine than it is to have a big battery. The second the cost of the big battery is cheaper than the internal combustion engine, why would you bother yeah. with the hybrid? It's dead and gone. So my view is 2030, we'll all be driving electric vehicles, or all we'll, we'll be buying electric vehicles, so we won't be buying any internal combustion engines, and there'll be no hybrids after that anyway. So when the government says 2040, I'm like, yeah, no worries. <laughs> you, you think go. it'll be 2030? Because <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, sure. it's all about that tipping point, isn't it? Very much where, about the tipping where point. It just, it just, where all of a sudden, it just becomes... It just makes more sense to Joe Public yeah. that that car is better in pretty much every way. Okay, you can't do 500 miles, but does it honestly matter? <laughs> How often do you yeah. most people do yeah. 500 exactly. miles? And the answer might be occasionally we might go on holiday once a year. And mm. that's the sort of thing you do. And as long as you can recharge that vehicle in the sort of 20 minutes at the petrol station you know, every five hours of your journey... That one's solved as well, I think, really. Yeah. So I guess the other thing we should say is, um, don't forget there's a lot of cars in the UK, some 30 million cars in the UK, something like that. So even in 2030, when we get to all new cars are electric, it still takes another decade until you stop seeing uh, internal combustion engines on the road. Mm. Um, but I'm talking about you know new car sales. Basically, no one will buy a non-electric vehicle by 2030. It would just make no sense. I guess the only exception is going to be you lot in this room, because you'll still want a Caterman and an Aerial Atom. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but you know, Some of those real specialist things. Same way you can go and drive a steam train today if you want to it's not how you you, you know it's a thing you think you might do for pleasure but it's not a form of transport that's generally accepted so and i think you know internal combustion engine will have a shoreditch based uh, revival at some point in the <laughs> yeah. uh, late 2030s as it becomes briefly cool again but it won't be a way we all drive around so with that in mind do you think that these car manufacturers like um say ferrari and porsche and stuff are they still going to have their halo product that will i'm just trying to work out because are they just going to have what even more power or better electronics or because for me kind of electric cars they all kind of do the same they're all very quick yep. they all have kind of instant torque so sure. it just feels amazing yeah um and they they're all going to get to a point where the range is going to be you know four five hundred miles which sure. is obviously more than apple how are these brands going to be able to um bring out cars that are kind of those cars that you look up to so I think you are going to see differentiation in subtly different ways. And uh, this is really to do with the technology of electric vehicles. So an electric vehicle is not materially less inefficient running at a low percentage of its output. So if you know, to put it into internal combustion, if you've got a 5-litre V8, it's not very efficient at tootling around at 30 miles an hour. An electric vehicle is pretty efficient all the way through its power curve, basically. So it means that you can have a very high-powered Tesla that's also very, very efficient. That's something slightly different. But I think what you're probably going to see is that the way that auto manufacturers differentiate probably isn't so difficult. Because the answer is not everybody wants a 
four-door saloon that does 0 to 60 in 2.7 seconds, do they? And that's just not what most people need. And of course, so I think you'll still get this segregation. There'll still be the, the luxury cars, your Bentleys of this world. They'll still be electric, but they'll still be Bentley-like. Uh, and they'll still be, you know, in the future, there'll be this um, uh, electric 911 GT3 that's all about the driving and the handling and all the rest of it. Um, but then also there'll be your Nissan Leafs and your Micros and all these sort of things. So I don't okay. necessarily think this breaks the nature of the fact you can buy different types of cars for different personalities and different types of people. I just think the powertrain's different. Oh, so go. it's literally just swapping out the engine for an electric engine, which as, there's, there's as, as, as I'm hearing... There's going to be sound as well. There'll be sound augmentation, but I think that's only going to be for a, a, a period of time that'll help people get into it. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess you have the iPace at the minute. You know, put your foot down in the iPace, you yep. can set it so it's got this kind of warp drive noise that it artificially makes, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. But then again, you buy an M5, that artificially makes half its noise as well, doesn't it? it? Does. So actually, we're doing this yeah. on internal combustion engine. My, my view is probably there'll be a bit of that mucking about and you'll be able to download an MP3 and make your micro sound like a Ferrari and all the rest of it. <laughs> I, I'm not sure that that's really what the public need long term. I think probably just the noise of cars will be a little bit different into the future. You know, if you drive an electric car without the stereo on today, you know, you get, kind of get this cool sort of electrical whooshing noise. Um, different to an internal combustion engine, but cool in its own right, I think. Yeah. And I've seen a lot in the papers and I've seen a lot uh, reading online as well. People are talking about kind of um, these intelligent highways, mm. which at some point you might even be able to drive your car on a piece of road, which is also charging your car. Can you see that happening? I, my personal view is that's a result of people playing a bit too much Wipeout on the PlayStation when they're a bit younger. Uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, you remember yeah. when you went over those sort of <laughs> Chevron yeah. and you got a boost off it? Yeah. 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 That's right in PlayStation world. I don't think that's real in, in, in the real world, really. So, so first of all, there's no need for it. So if we're right in you know, very soon now you can buy 200 mile range electric cars at sensible prices with you know, things like Kona EV, Tesla Model 3 that you don't all, all know about. Um, so I, I don't think there's any need for that because once you've got to 200 plus mile range you don't need to do that charging on the go. Plus the cost and efficiency of that would just be nuts. I just don't see that it's a sensible solution. Um, you know, Can you make a wireless charging road? You know, technically, yes. Is there any commercial point to it? Absolutely not. So I mean, wireless um, is very inefficient. Uh, for sure, uh, let alone dynamic wireless. So wireless, yeah. when you're moving over it, it's just there's no sense in that. It's just I'm, I'm not a big fan of that one, as you can probably <laughs> say. That makes so. sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, is there any car that you're excited about seeing in the future? Do, kind of that. I suppose we were all talking about the Model Three. You've got um, you've got a couple of orders in, haven't you, for a Tesla? Well, yeah, I've got, I've got a Model Three on order. Um, a lot I, of people I, I want to change it to that. a Model Three Performance. I think after seeing the stats of that one. Yeah. Well, I guess you're, you guys are loving the track mode on the uh, Model Three Performance, aren't you? Yeah, well, exactly. It, it looked pretty cool. I was it looked, geeking yeah. out on how that works the other day. Like, it's pretty cool what they're doing with that one. It so is. This, this is the, the M3 beta, according to his Elonness. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, but is there any car that you're specifically kind of like this is going to be amazing? Well, I mean, Tesla Roadster is going to be pretty amazing. The next one, when that comes out, if that that's you know, it's going to be towards the higher end of the price bracket, shall we say? I think, isn't mm. it? A quarter of a million pounds. But still, if they actually deliver something that does naught to sixty in you know, sub two seconds as a standard road car on standard road car tires, that's pretty amazing. But then, when you think what they do with a four door saloon or a, you know the big um, the Model X, the hundred D. Quite amazing what they do with those yeah. things. So you think, you know, get the centre of gravity down, smaller thing, lighter, smaller body. You can think, well, they might just be able to redefine that. And you think what you pay today for a, you know, Bugatti Chiron that won't even get naught to sixty in one point nine, and that's how much? Yeah. One point seven million pounds on the top yeah. of my head. Tim, yeah. I'm sure you'll geek me out. I've got my <laughs> yeah, stats wrong. Um, it's about that. 1. About 7, that. 1.8, yeah. Some yeah I know. Crazy. Um, <laughs> but, but still, then you see what's starting to happen. You're starting to say, okay, even that really highest end, if you're looking for performance, electric looks like it's coming in at a fraction of the price. You know, How else can you get 0 to 60 in 1.9? 
Rallycross car, maybe? Yes. Yeah, Lewis like Hamilton, that. he might manage that off the grid. Um, but, you know, no one else can, basically. So mm. I think, you know, you're really seeing some exciting stuff there. But probably what's more exciting is, is, is the selection of cars more of that so mm. you know i'd love to see a point where you've got you know the 911s of the future electric but you've also got bentley's of the future you know the whole sort of remit of the car world that i think we all love and you know you know perfectly well you can have some great fun in a 1300 uh, 106 rally with white steel very wheels true. Very um, true. Yeah. and you can have some great fun in a uh, you know lamborghini uh, performante um so why isn't you know we haven't got that range in electric but we will have in the future and that's when it you know to me that'll be quite exciting because at the moment the the car enthusiast is probably slightly limited by choice of vehicle but not for much longer I think uh, just quickly before we wrap up I just wanted because I'm I'm a little bit um, I, I don't know much about this but in terms of electric vehicles and company benefits if you run a company or a business or something and you're looking at you know getting your employees cars or whatever yep am I right in thinking there is a huge benefit in going the electric route very much so, yeah. So um, if you're a company car driver, you have to pay a thing called benefit and kind tax. Uh, I think I'll, I'll, I'll have to just check my stats on it, but 16% to this year, 19% next year, and then the year after that, 2%. So you get this immense you know, benefit in 2020 of having an electric vehicle in terms of the amount of tax you pay. So as I say, the government is being, I think, in the UK, fairly progressive in encouraging electric vehicles. Um, and, you know, company car driver is one of the ways that they're encouraging that to happen. So, yeah, if you can get your electric vehicle through your company then there's numerous sort of benefits from you doing that as well um which is all good as far as i'm concerned okay yeah. cool so it is all going in the electric it's all going electric basically yeah if you if you're not jumping on board now you're gonna have to soon i think yeah it will happen at some point it will and we you can be happy that you are, we need to change the term you can be a petrol head at the moment yeah we need to be a motorhead Maybe. Think, not the band. Not the Sorry. band. <laughs> so we can do that as well if you want, I suppose. Well, you but can, yeah. Probably, but I think we should, we, should, we should redefine it to be motorheads because it's everything's got a motor, hasn't it? A motorbike's yeah. got a motor, a car, not an internal car. We can still be like a engine. performance car enthusiast. Yeah, well, you can, yeah. Car, a different thing. I think you're yeah. still going to get car geeks. Why not? It is, yeah. And I, I remember, i just got to get this in before we finish. The, um, I think it was, I, I could get this wrong, but I think it was Jay Leno. He said, and it was a while ago now, he was talking about electric cars and all this kind of stuff. And he said, People are saying, oh, it's going to ruin everything. It's going to kill performance cars. It's not. When the horse, right, when pe people were riding around on horses, right, in the past, then somebody invented the car. And everyone said, oh, well, you're just going to lose horses. No one's going to use horses. But the horses became used for pleasure then. People started using them to ride them for fun. And it's the same with the V8. Now, you'll have your daily car, which is going to be this incredibly efficient electric vehicle. But should you want one, you'll still be able to go out and buy your old TVR and blast around in a V8 burning hydrocarbons at the weekend. Yeah, I think there will be a point, though, where we're all just driving electric. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. There will be a point where you'll, you'll, you'd be so ashamed of driving out yeah. with this thing. <laughs> it would be like riding on the road stuff. on a horse. Yeah. <laughs> You're just going to look at it. Uh, I've got one more question just before we uh, thank you and, and say goodbye. What car do you drive? Uh, I have both a Tesla and a i3. Okay. And they're both very cool in their own way. Big car, small car. When yeah. was the last time you had a petrol car? God, oh, uh, a, a long time ago. ago. Yeah, very much right. so. So um, I can't remember the top of my head, but you know, six, seven, eight years ago. So um, obviously, when I started Podpoint, I couldn't actually buy an electric car. Well, except a G Wiz. Um, uh, and that, <laughs> they just don't go up hills. Precisely. Yeah. Um, but you know, very soon after starting Podpoint, then I, I made it my rule that I was never going to use any petrol ever again, uh, and everything I should do should be electric. Um, and I, generally speaking abide by that very occasionally i'll fly into somewhere and you know you need a higher car for whatever reason and you can't get the electric one so that just personally hurts me every time that happens but my general <laughs> view is that everything i do from now on will be electrically powered and i try to live by that 
Excellent. Well, Eric, thank you so much for chatting to us. This has been really informative. Like I've learned quite a lot, and yeah. I, I think hopefully, you know, if you're listening, you've you've realised that uh, electric is coming, and it's probably coming a bit quicker than you think it is. Um, so thank you. And if you do want to find out about Podpoint, what's the best way? Just on your website? Yeah, jump on the website. So podpoint.com with the hyphen in the middle. Um, cool. uh, yeah, you can follow us on Twitter and uh, all the normal things as well. So um, see all the amazing stuff you're doing. I didn't realise you're going to have an office this big. I thought it was literally going to be you kind of sat in the corner with a, <laughs> a big plug behind you and that's it but you guys are obviously thriving this is fantastic there's so many graphs as well about where you've got all your points and who's using them and all the energy that's being consumed by these cars pretty cool pretty cool so go and check out Podpoint if you haven't already and maybe you've just bought an electric car you're thinking of it and you want to maybe a price on you know what it's going to cost you to have one of these uh, Podpoints in your in your uh, garage or something all the information is on your website absolutely fantastic well thank you very much we will of course be back with another in the headline podcast very soon tim you got yeah. any ideas for the next one? Oh, i think we might do something exciting with some people no we've got we haven't got a clue great well that that's we haven't got a clue it's, it's an excuse for <laughs> us to go down the pub and just have a chat about it over a pint eric thank you very much thank guys. you very thank much you again for listening if you're listening via itunes or uh, podbean or whatever um uh, podcast app you use or of course if you're looking uh, you uh, us on there. youtube hello you on youtube hi yes. hi we'll be back very soon thank you again for uh, watching please just give this video a thumbs up if you are watching and we'll see you soon bye for now bye bye